This is your KVNF Regional Newscast for Friday, March 1st. I'm Lisa Young. The race for District 3 Delta County Commissioner is becoming more crowded as Nico Wolf recently announced his intent. Wolf from Crawford will run as unaffiliated. He joined Stephen Reed from Hotchkiss and incumbent Wendell Kuntz for the seat that represents the North Fork area of Delta County. Just an election reminder, unaffiliated voters can only turn in one ballot for the March 5th presidential primary. In keeping with our election coverage, state lawmakers are considering a bill that would make it a crime to falsify votes from the Electoral College during a presidential race. Capitol reporter Lucas Brady Wood says it's one of several measures intended to increase security ahead of the November election. Each state has a group of electors who officially cast votes for president. In 2020, supporters of former President Donald Trump organized fake electors in an attempt to change that election's outcome. Secretary of State Jenna Griswold says even though the attempts failed, they threatened to undermine the entire election process. If the fake elector scheme would have worked, it would have disenfranchised 81 million American voters who cast a ballot for the presidential candidate who won. The bill would make it a class one misdemeanor to serve as a fake elector or to organize fake electors. It's one of the first of its kind in the U.S. Another election reform bill pending at the Capitol would make it illegal to distribute so-called deepfakes, AI-generated images or videos of candidates. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods at the state Capitol. A program popular across party lines and designated in part to aid rural farming communities is facing potential cuts. Eric Galatis has more. Colorado lawmakers are considering ways to address a projected $24 million funding shortfall in the Healthy School Meals for All program, and grants to help districts purchase food from local farmers and ranchers could be at risk. Mesa County School District Nutrition Services Director Dan Sharp says serving fresh, locally sourced foods, as opposed to highly processed foods shipped cross-country, gives kids the fuel they need to succeed in the classroom and beyond. There's evidence-based research that the more locally sourced our food supply is, whether we get it at the grocery store through our school meal programs, is a higher quality and better nutritious product for our students. A new survey sponsored by Hunger Free Colorado and Mazan found that 70% of Republicans, 79% of independents, and 91% of Democrats view the school meal program approved by voters in 2022 as favorable. The program's success may be one reason for the budget gap. Participation in school breakfasts has grown by 35 percent across Colorado and lunch participation is up 31 percent. I'm Eric Galatis. On today's Farm Friday, we continue our conversation on mental health wellness for Colorado farmers, ranchers, and ag producers. Chad Riznacek is the Behavioral Health State Specialist for the Colorado Agribility Project under Colorado State University Office of Engagement and Extension. According to the Agribility website, the project is a partnership between Colorado State University Extension and Goodwill Industries of Colorado and is funded in part by a grant from the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Natural Institute of Food and Agriculture. And it's worked with close to 700 farm and ranch producers or family members. And its original intention was to be able to support our agricultural producers in the face of accidents, illnesses, or injuries. So our rural rehabilitation specialists will go out to someone's farm or ranch, 
spend the day with them, looking at how they go about their chores, about um, the different aspects of their operation, and then be able to make recommendations for like adaptive or assistive technology that would allow them to continue to farm or ranch in the face of those injuries, disabilities, or conditions that could inhibit their work. With the increase in mental health needs in rural communities, AgriAbility expanded their services. About two and a half years ago, they decided to expand specifically to address behavioral health. So their focus historically has largely been on supporting people with the physical aspects and overcoming adversity related to that. Although they have also done a lot of psychoeducation on behavioral health topics. But again, about two and a half years ago, they made the specific focus to to really go into behavioral health and make that its own sort of specialty area. Chad says AgriAbility focuses on addressing the various barriers to receiving behavioral health and wellness in Colorado's rural communities. Among the topics AgriAbility addresses are affordability, access, acceptability, and availability of services. We've tried to target things to be able to remove some of those barriers. So we do a lot of preventative education, a significant amount of presentations across communities on behavioral health topics, because we know that one of the ways to reduce stigma is to normalize these conversations. And there's research that shows that if you have prior knowledge of behavioral health information, you are more likely to seek out or you're more likely to seek help. Because there's a lack of mental health care providers in rural areas, Chad says AgriAbility provides skill-based community capacity training, such as the COMET program, which stands for? Changing our mental and emotional trajectory. The idea there is to train community members to recognize and respond to signs of behavioral health distress so that they can help each other. Going a step further, AgriAbility developed a land logic, which is a clinical training model for behavioral health providers. The goal of the program is to help therapists have a better understanding of the agricultural community. That they could basically utilize in about five to 10 sessions. It's very strength-based and solution-focused, but they're all established cognitive behavioral therapy techniques we've adapted for ag populations. AgriAbility also teams up with FarmAid, which provides helpful services, resources, and opportunities specific to individual producer needs. They do so via their website and a toll-free number at 1-800-FARM-AID. And if they're dealing with behavioral health concerns or just significant amounts of farm stress, they're offered to have me follow up with them. So then I can meet with them um, usually by phone or virtually because I'm working with people all over the Western states. And I'm able to help them find therapists that understand agriculture, that work within their insurance networks. I can do all the footwork to get people connected to those right resources. Or if they just need help trying to figure out um, how to get connected to other things, whether it's financial resources or just stress management techniques, been able to do that. AgriAbility also provides on-site visits and some resources to ag producers experiencing physical limitations, including some adaptive equipment. What AgriAbility does is make the recommendations, then we can help the producers work with uh, Department of Vocational Rehabilitation if uh, they can qualify for that. And that's really where most of the funding for some of the bigger ticket items like lifts that move someone from, you know, flatbed truck up into high profile equipment. That's where some of that bigger stuff comes from. But a lot of assistive technology and adaptations can be done for relatively cheap. It's just a matter of bringing that additional perspective in to look at what can be done. For more information, check out AgriAbility's website, 
agribility.colostate.edu. That's your regional newscast for today. I'm Lisa Young. Have a safe and enjoyable weekend.